بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين uh, السلام عليكم everyone thank you for joining me again this is Rashad Norze uh, bringing you another episode of our podcast uh, i have a very special guest with me someone i, I can't you know even put to words uh, you know what, what this person means to me may allah reward them but uh, we have amir abdul malik ali uh, joining us today assalamu alaikum amir how are you Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Likewise, um, you know we're we're new to the podcast game, but uh, but there's there's so much history that that goes here. You know, just the other day, as I mentioned, I was speaking to uh, Imam Sundiata, and he talked about you know a couple of decades away ago, and you guys being involved in the college scene and connected in the MSA West, and that's really you know that was my first introduction. Uh, you know, your 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 kind of both from the intellectual perspective, from the spiritual perspective, and from the activist perspective, something that really resonated with me in my life and really transformed my understanding of Islam and the ethnology. So may Allah reward you for that. Over the generations can say that. Um, So yeah, I thought maybe just to start out, if you don't mind giving just a small kind of overview, background, you know, biography, uh, just to introduce yourself to the listeners. Alhamdulillah. Um, as you said, my name is Brother Abdul Malik Ali. Um, I currently serve as the Amir of the Oakland Islamic Community Center. Um, um, I think my I, I think who I am and 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 and, and such um, is related to um, my background. Of course, um, I was a child of the '60s, um, having been very much influenced by that era. Um, give you a time frame, excuse me, when Martin Luther King was assassinated, I was nine years old, all right? And so it kind of gives you a, a, a basic breakdown as to um, kind of where I fit in, in terms of the history. But um, it's interesting because 1968, where I, when I turned 10, when I turned 10 years old, psychologist, child psychologist, look at 10 years old as being imprinting um, type age. Um, interesting that that's when the prophet peace be upon him said that that's when children should really start praying at 10. Um, so at 10 years old, it's 1968. And 1968 is referred to by historians as the year that changed the world, right? The year that changed the world. Um, and I think me, as well as um, other people born in that generation, um, were affected by that, you know? Um, and so I'm um, growing up with young parents um, who were involved in the, um, um, the liberation struggle and the movements at that particular time. Um, Malcolm's uh, organization, Afro-American Unity, um, Martin Luther King's um, SCLC. Um, and so growing up in that type of environment um, really kind of shaped um, who I am. And, um, and so um, the early 80s is when that generation were in their early 20s. And so when we had our own Donald Trump, Ronald Reagan, there was, there was so much stuff going on in the country at this time. So many things going on in the country. There was even an article in the Los Angeles Times, the LA Times, and it was August 1980, it said, urban black youth becoming more militant. 
And it was not long after that, say 1982-83, was when the Black communities got hit with crack. Crack was for my generation. Crack was, crack was designed to destroy um, the movements that were taking place um, in, the, uh, in the 80s. Um, and so, um, so it was really a time that, you know, um, so personally speaking, um, you know, we were very active for, for us, we were active on the campuses. Um, and so uh, one of the things that dawned on us by the grace of Allah is that, you know, we really, uh, we looked at Malcolm's militancy, but we didn't, we didn't look at his morality. You know, politically we were Malcolm X, but socially we were Detroit Red. You know what I'm saying? So that was a problem, right? So, 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 so we really had to um, come to grips with how, we, even though we were we were struggling against the system, we were at the same time still corrupted by it. And so, in the early '80s, there were some of us who um, um, uh, who were influenced uh, by the Quran, really, just the Quran itself. Um, and so there were those of us who became Muslims in the early 80s, not realizing that there was an Islamic revival taking place. We didn't realize it. Mm. We didn't realize it. You know what I'm saying? But um, if anybody's honest in their assessment who were around during that time, you could really say that the current, the, the current Islamic revival right today goes all the way back to 1979 mm. with the revolution in Iran, the Islamic revolution. Um, they tried to make it appear that I was a Shia phenomenon, but that Islamic revolution affected Sunnis. It affected the entire Muslim world. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so, um, so not realizing that there was an Islamic revival, and and there were many, there were many black activists, black revolutionaries, what have you, who were coming, who were making a transition from black nationalism to Islam. Um, ex-Black Panthers were becoming Muslims. You know what I'm saying? Um, um, and so Imam Jamil H. Rap Brown, one of the major leaders in the 1960s and early 70s, he becomes a Muslim. H. Rap Brown becomes Imam Jamil El Amin. So there was an Islamic revival taking place. There was a revival taking place um, and it was happening all over the world. Um, and so I was a part of that, not realizing it, you know what I'm saying? But I was a part of that revival. And so in high school, I'm wearing my Black Panther berets. By college, I was in my Kufi and Kifa. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's like, but that that's 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 what was historically going on. Mm -hmm. You know, but but a lot of time we we can't feel that we're in a historical process. You know what I'm saying? We can't feel it. We're in a historical process. But um, yeah, so so from then on, from the early 80s on, um, um, I um, devoted myself to being involved um, still in the black liberation struggle, but from the platform of Islam. MashaAllah. Hmm. That, that's, uh, that's very insightful. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of what you've, uh, you know, conveyed and, and shared and, and contributed back, uh, I can see, you know, why, why you really recognize that, that history and where its roots are. Um, you know, the, the, one of the reasons we're, we're having this conversation is because you have a session of the upcoming uh, Muslim American Society Convention mm. uh, that'll be yes. virtual and Thanksgiving weekend. And inshallah, people will get an opportunity to hear your session there. Uh, incredible. I, you know, I can't even begin to uh, 
uh, to capture it in just a few points. But, you know, the, the understanding of our history, the understanding of the connection of these different points and places is so critical. And I, you, you highlighted one point about how, you know, oppressors want to keep people in that state of ignorance. You got to cut people off from roots. You got to cut people off from understanding. You got to cut, cut people off from that visibility. And there's actually a term nowadays. It's interesting. It's a term. Unfortunately, it's it's become a little bit, uh, or a phrase. It's become a little bit associated with kind of the uh, the alt right or the you know the conservative uh, movement. But it's that red pill concept, right? This comes from the matrix. You know, all of a sudden, someone becomes aware of these realities, and, and once you see that, or once that that veil is removed. You can never yes. un- not unsee that, right? And, exactly. Um, exactly. And I think I, I'm curious to ask you, you know, your what you remember and what you experienced back in the 80s, like you made this parallel that the Reagan and, uh, being the Trump of that time. Mm-hmm. You know, it, would you say there, from what you remember, from what your experience was or from what you learned, what were some of the parallels? Because today, you know, a lot of that sort of awakening is happening. But there seems to be something unique happening, and I, I think it's unique. Uh, but I didn't. I was born in '84, so I, I don't know that mm. period as well. But uh, mm. th- because of this, you know, the the vast use of social media, you can mm. instead of trying to block, you know, correct information, you can mm. flood people with confusing information. All right, of a sudden, you right. have to lose, uh, you know, the thread of of what was the the real issue that we were focusing on here. And that's what you noticed. You know, some people I talk to today, intelligent people, young people, high school, college, and, and this uh, young professional age, sometimes you'll find them close to looking at, you know, putting the right pieces together. But then you can yes. see everyone's kind of overwhelmed with all the the, the various false, every version of false information. Yes. So I'm curious if that's yes. something, uh, if there's a parallel there to what you recall. Um, there, there is, because remember, the word for oppression, boom, the word for oppression, I'm not a, I'm a student of Arabic, I'm not a teacher of it, but one of the things that fascinates me about Arabic is that um, the meaning of the words and what they're used for. So loom comes from the word darkness, Dark, darkness. And that's the word used for oppression, right? I mean, that, I mean that's just incredible, you know what I'm saying? It's like, um, because yeah, the, the, uh, the nature of oppression is that the people are kept in um, ignorance. Mm-hmm. They kept in ignorance. But keep in mind, though, it's not just the people who are oppressed. In Quran, Allah SWT talks about how the Pharaoh made the minds of his people weak. Mm-hmm. And Pharaoh made the minds of his people weak. You know what I'm saying? And so this Pharaonic system is implementing kill the men and spare the women against black folks mm-hmm. and brown folks and others, right? But in terms of what it's doing to its own people, it's making their minds weak. Hmm. That's Americans. Americans' minds are weak. You know, they're they're weak. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And so um, everybody in the world knows that America's an empire, mm-hmm. except Americans. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so so um, so that that's hap- that's happening there. Another thing that I think is really promising is that this next generation. We used to, we used to have a thing where okay, Malcolm or Martin, mm. Martin, Malcolm or Martin. Race or class? Well, today there were Malcolm and Martin. Mm. We shall overcome by enemies necessary, right? <laughs> it's Malcolm and Martin. It's race and class. Let's not let's change the preposition. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be or. It's both. It's mm. both. Well, should we do it this way or that way? Both. Mm. We need we need both. 
And one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm heartened by is that in some of these rebellions, I'm seeing these young people use Martin's strategies and Malcolm's strategies. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Using, using um, massive civil disobedience, you know what I'm saying? Which I think uh, nonviolent massive civil disobedience, I think is the way to go. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way to go, right? That you're not tearing anything up, but you're shutting everything down. Mm-hmm. That's where Dr. King was at the end of his life. Mm-hmm. Massive, massive civil disobedience, right? And we saw that internationally, right? Um, in certain places, right? And so the, the young people were doing that. Also, this is particularly in Ferguson, which really should be studied, also, while they, were, while they were closing down things, they also petitioned the United Nations, mm-hmm. right? In terms of what the police were doing here in this country against Black people. Now, that right there is Martin and Malcolm. Mm-hmm. That's Martin and Malcolm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so that, that's, that's happening. And that's a beautiful thing that's taking place, right? Now, though, what has to happen now is that young people have to realize you cannot follow the same culture promoted by the very system that you're fighting against. Mm-hmm. You, you cannot follow the same culture promoted by the very system that you're fighting against, that you're struggling against. Can't do that. Can't do that. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and this is part of what Imam Jamil is talking about when he says we have to take the struggle to a higher level, take the struggle to a higher level and help non-Muslim activists take their struggle to a higher level. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 like they have to understand them. it's good that they're involved in activism. But now taking it to a higher level means that you look at your activism as an act of worship. Mm-hmm. That's one of the transitions we had to make. We were active, mm-hmm. but when you but when you look at your activism as an act of worship, mm-hmm. that takes it to a whole nother level, mm-hmm. a whole nother level. And then there's a there's a certain respect that you have for the activism as a result of that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, we 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 talk to them again in the vein of taking the struggle to a higher level. No one should no one should hate drugs more than activists. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we have seen how drugs was used to destroy movements. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So as so 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 we talk to non-Muslim activists about this. Why do you need drugs? Mm-hmm. Why do you need drugs to have a good time? Why do you need, right. why do you need drugs? That's the system. That's the system talking to you. Mm-hmm. So 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 we cannot we cannot follow the same culture, the same philosophy of the very system that we're struggling against, mm-hmm. promoted by the very system that we're struggling against. And so those are some of the, uh, the, the changes that have to occur. I think that spirituality is going to play more of a major role than it did back then. Mm-hmm. Now, not in terms of the South. The Southern Freedom Movement, it was spiritual. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is one of the things that we can get from the Southern Freedom, the so-called Civil Rights Movement. Um, so the Southern Freedom Movement was based on spirituality. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but once it went North, Christianity could not accommodate the militancy that was in the North. Mm-hmm. The only spiritual path that can accommodate that militancy is Islam. Mm-hmm. And so by Malcolm coming to the Quran and Sunnah, by Malcolm coming to the Quran and Sunnah, that set in motion something that people didn't see till later on. That branch of the black liberation struggle, black nationalists, 
revolutionary, so on and so forth, that branch started becoming Muslim. Mm -hmm. That branch started becoming Muslim as a result of Malcolm. And so among that branch of the Black liberation struggle, the religion of that branch is viewed as Islam. Mm -hmm. But now there's a spirituality, a deep spirituality that comes with it now mm -hmm. that, we have, that we have to embrace. And so I think that, um, I think that um, the, this next go round, there, there'll be more of a strong spiritual basis mm -hmm. to it. And I think that and, and, and Islam is going to play a major role in that. A major role in that, inshallah. Yeah, inshallah. This is incredible. I, there's so many different areas that I want to uh, dissect here with you, and, and we're not going to have time to touch it all. Mm -hmm. so, uh, we'll have future opportunities. Um, mm -hmm. That's something interesting. Uh, in there is this kind of crossroads, and, and I'll put it to mm -hmm. a little bit of my experience. So mm -hmm. I'm looking at two different lenses. I'm looking at one lens of, of activism, political activism, civic engagement, looking at another lens of just living life, you know, career, yeah. job, family, friends. Yes. In both of those spaces, there is this, um, this infusion and this uh, casual, but really, it's casual, but it's really pushed down your throat that, you know, drugs, alcohol, all these, not, not just like the casual, like every aspect of drugs has become yes. very casual. So I'm yes. seeing, seeing friends, family, people in the community, you know, especially young people sort of drifting away with that, you know, it, yes. it could be entertainers, it could be, uh, you know, so, but the, but that, but that merger is happening on both sides. Yes. Where even the people who are quote unquote, part of the activist space, you know, often yes. uh, outside of the Muslim community, yes. um, there is this sort of very lax experience with, uh, and it's, it's promoted, right? Yes. Uh, DMT, so many popular, you know, figures speaking about how, and interestingly, mm -hmm. they're speaking something, they're speaking something, sp they're seeking something spiritual. Right. Yeah, exactly. Amazing thing, right? That it, it's yes. like there are people, neuroscientists, very well-known public figures that are saying, "Hey, we got to leave all the spirituality, right? The religion stuff. Right. But we're trying to find something through these chemical routes that right. must be spiritual." Yes. Uh, this is it's something incredible to me that you're highlighting, and how much of I think it, it was critical for that early phase. Like you said, you can't really, you know, fight against the system if you're you know, if you're in, uh, sort of engulfed in that system and if it's overwhelming your life. Yes. And that's what this is. I'm, I'm really happy that you're mentioning this because it's such a difficult subject to address um, because for young people, I mean, even within the Muslim community, it's yes. become just kind of a casual thing, right? Yes. yes. I grew up, yes. in the, like I said, in the, my, my 10 year mark was in the nineties. Mm -hmm. I remember the dare, you know, anti-drug programs and mm -hmm. uh, our family, although not extremely religious, but mm -hmm. generally stayed away from that. So I think we had some, some distance from it, alhamdulillah. Yes. But it's shifting now, and I'm curious, you know, what, what your thoughts are, both for individuals who are talking to their friends and family, mm -hmm. uh, as well as for the people who are engaging in the activist space. Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the mistakes I think we're making with our young people is that we're not teaching, we're not teaching Islam as a mission. Umar anhu said Islam is a mission it's a mission and the Sahaba only knew Islam as a mission that's all they knew it as and the Sahaba dealt with day to day stuff they dealt with you know they dealt with jobs money issues baby mama drama they, they, the, the, the Sahaba dealt with all that stuff 
but nothing was more important than the mission, the establishment of Islam. We do not teach Islam as a mission. And, um, and if, if we don't practice Islam as a mission, no matter how much academic knowledge we have of Islam, we're not going to truly understand it. Hmm. Islam is a mission. They're not being taught that. The, the, the other thing they're not being taught. They're not being taught that we're living in an age of Islamic revival. They're not being taught that, like, all this Islamophobia and this war on Islam is a reaction to something. It's a reaction to something. It's reacting to the Islamic revival. There's an Islamic revival taking place in the world. Now, on top of that, 65, 65 to 70% of the ummah is 35 years old and under. 65 to 70% of this ummah is 35 years old and under. This is an ummah made up of youth. Now put all that together. Islam is a mission. We're living in an age of Islamic revival. And this ummah is made up of 65 to 70% youth. And so we, we, we have to realize we, 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 when we get with our youth, a, a statement that I, I said um, before, each generation must find their historical mission and either fulfill it or betray it. And so our youth have to, have to understand this is a mission that we own. This is a mission. And, and even though that there are some Muslim youth who have amnesia, don't know who they are, there are Muslim youth coming back to Islam. Mm-hmm. There are Muslim youth coming back to Islam. Some of y'all right. are in that category. And right. so, so it's like, it's like people ask us, um, converts, so what made you come to Islam? That's a, the question I like to ask Muslims, what made you come back to Islam? Mm-hmm. What made you come back to Islam? Because that's the ingredient. One sister asked me, brother, how do we get them? How do we get those Muslims who, you know, I said, how did you come back to Islam? Mm-hmm. Because however you came back to Islam, those are the ingredients of how to get the other ones. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that always came up, always came up, they saw Muslims who were brave enough, you know, to get out there and do dawah. They saw, they saw Muslims, usually, usually on a college campus, but they saw Muslim, young, young Muslims out there who were giving dawah, who were basically taking the position, hey, there's nothing wrong with Islam. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of being Muslim. I'm pr-. They saw that. They saw that. And, mm-hmm. that, and that began their return. You know what I'm saying? And so we are in a period of tajdeed. For some mm-hmm. reason, for some reason, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose them to be the youth in this period. Mm-hmm. And Allah don't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. So when we get with them, we have to, you know, youth have to have a mission that's bigger than them. If not, they're mm-hmm. going to get um, distracted and caught up in foolishness. Mm-hmm. Our youth have to be our youth have to be attached to something um, meaningful that's bigger than them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. A, a purpose, right? A mission. All youth have to have that. And so there is a concerted effort. Yes, there's a concerted effort that it, it's understood that this ummah is made up mostly of youth. That's understood mm-hmm. by our enemies. They they understand that. So the thing mm-hmm. now is to d- distract the youth. Mm-hmm. The youth have to be distracted. So therefore, the youth have to be exposed to other Muslim youth who return to Islam. Mm-hmm. And other Muslim youth who are returning to Islam. They need to see that. Mm-hmm. 
of the Muslim youth who returned to Islam a, a little while ago, right? Now mm-hmm. they're, they're well into their return. They need to see that because, because all of us in some way have became affected by the Islamic revival, whether it was mm-hmm. 1979, whether it's 1981, whether it's today. We were all affected by the Islamic revival in some mm-hmm. way. There are Muslim youth who are on their way back. She may not be in hijab yet, but she's on mm-hmm. her way back. You know what I'm saying? He may not be, but he's on his way back. And you could tell that they're on their way back. The, the, um, the return has started for them. Mm-hmm. The return has started. Other people are um, in different places in their return. But mm-hmm. they need to know that there are Muslims returning to Islam. There are Muslims who are coming back. There are Muslim youth who are coming back to Islam. As opposed to just focus, focusing on the Muslim youth with amnesia, the Muslim, mm-hmm. the Muslim youth who have lost their grip. You know what I'm saying? Yes, that's out there. Definitely. Definitely. Right. Definitely. But there's also something else happening, too. You know, there's a revival taking place. There, mm-hmm. are pe- there are people coming to Islam and there are people coming back to Islam. And so that's what we want to focus on. Mm-hmm. We, are, we, are, we are in a period of tajdeed. We are, we are in a period of Islamic revival. You know what I'm saying? That's the latest, latest thing. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, That's right. the latest thing that's going on right now, right? Um, and mm-hmm. so it's how we present it to them. And we're not, mm-hmm. we're not lying. This stuff, is, mm-hmm. this stuff is real, man. Uh, one, of the, one of the cardinals uh, a couple of months ago uh, from the Vatican said in the newspaper, in 10 years, the number one religion in Europe will be Islam. Mm-hmm. That's the Vatican. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's known. There's a revival taking place, brother. There's mm-hmm. a revival taking place that is real. That is right. real. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what we have to be focusing on. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you 30 and 40 somethings, you know what I'm saying? Um, um, like bring that spirit to them. This is what's going on. This is what's happening. You know what I'm saying? This was taking place. Like, so hey, you know what I'm saying? Jump on. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This is the latest thing that's happening. You know, that type of thing, yeah. man. And so I think yeah. it's really critical, really critical. Yeah, mashallah. It, absolutely. It's it's incredible to hear this. Uh, it, it, it reminds me about uh, the experience that I had, but also what I've heard someone say. Yeah. A lot of times we have people who start to, you start to practice Islam. Yes. You start to at some point live Islam, yes. but there's another level of living for Islam, yes. living for Allah. Yes. And this, you said this, this being mission oriented, yes. understanding Islam this way. It was something I had trouble really understanding the difference. Like I, I knew in Islam growing up, I saw one thing. I had a, an experience, you know, when I was in high school and mm-hmm. it, had, it happened. I had family who started to connect us to, yes. to be comfortable with the identity of Islam. But then college really, you know, helped bring that transformation. And I don't think everyone sees that, right? right? Not right. everyone has an experience of, hey, there is something more than just the practice right. of a right. religion. Right. And, and that, that, that version of Islam, interestingly, I, I, from some of my reading and some of my listening to you know, uh, scholars and, and uh, critics or analysts in this area, it seems to be one of the types of Islam that is encouraged. And it's mm-hmm. kind of it's a version of Islam that doesn't really map to, you know, uh, the way the Prophet and the Sahaba, mm-hmm. and yes. how they did it. But it is a version that exists today. Yes. It's the, the it's a religion like other religions. Right. You do it on the Friday, you do it yes. on holidays. Yes. You know, it's 
It's one of those things that it's kind of a label that you may or may not have. Yes. Uh, but understanding it from the perspective of there's a re- there's a purpose here, there's a reason here, there's a standing up for for something, right. uh, not just against something. Right. There there is something meaningful. Right. I want to maybe from this point just ask one more question mm-hmm. because. This is a question I've, I've had, and it touches on some of the areas that you've discussed as well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, we, we recognize the past, and there's a lot to discuss about, you know, what you said about the connection to the uh, revolution in Iran or other revival movements that have been taking mm-hmm. place. Just look at the present and try to analyze how to best, you know, challenge uh, to approach it here, well, especially in today's age. I, I wanted to ask you, what is your vision um, of not just Islam in America, but America and the world in a sense, keep it as local or as global as you want, because sometimes it also helps for people to imagine kind of the future, the way the Prophet was, of course, he was giving prophecy, we're not giving prophecy here about the successful victories against the, you know, the Persians and the Romans, but when you're in the middle of it all, especially, and I'm sure, you know, I, I was going to ask you about your experience in the last few weeks, election and whatnot, I mean, feels like the most nonsense ever. Mm-hmm. I remember the 2000, you know, hanging chads and whatnot, but it's hard for me to put, you know, into words exactly what the experience is here. Mm-hmm. So for people seeing what's happening, being, you know, given one media story versus another, mm-hmm. what is that picture that you kind of see that, that sort of light at the end of the tunnel that people should be looking out for, you know, that we need to work towards that? That this is, a, this is, the, this is the century of Islam. You know, um, imagine a thermostat, a thermostat. And you know how when a thermostat is programmed, if the temperature gets too low, then um, the thermostat will kick on Mm -hmm. and take the temperature back up to more comfortable levels, right? Well, there's a divine thermostat. When things, when when the morals in the world get too low, right? Um, um, a, divine, a divine thermostat kicks in. When there's rampant corruption, rampant injustice, mm-hmm. we, can't, mm-hmm. we can't think that it's just a coincidence that while we're seeing all of this injustice, the poverty, the concentration of mm-hmm. wealth, the racial injustice, when we're seeing all of this injustice, all of this immorality, right has become wrong and wrong has become right. Mm-hmm. It is no coincidence that at the same time, there's an Islamic revival. Those are not coincidental. That's a divine thermostat. That's the divine mm-hmm. thermostat. You know what I'm saying? And so this is, this is the century of Islam. You know what I'm saying? Islam is growing. And Islam is having more influence everywhere. Right? If you notice, for example, when they talked about the Arab Spring. Remember the Arab Spring? The Arab Spring, right? The way that was presented was that was a movement for democracy. It was a movement for mm. people want democracy, right? One, the people want self-determination. They want self-rule. <laughs> and number two, the Arab Spring was a part of the Islamic revival. They didn't want to present it mm. that way. Right. Now, how did it manifest itself? As soon as the people were allowed to vote, guess what they voted for, right? Right? <laughs> as soon as they were allowed to vote, Tunisia, Egypt, as soon as the people were allowed to vote, guess what they voted for? They voted mm-hmm. for Islam. So that so-called Arab Spring was about self-determination. It was about self-rule. And it was about Islam. Right? Mm-hmm. And so 
this is what's happening in the world. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I was, um, when, when the pandemic first hit, what did the Pope say? The Pope told his, his congregation, if you can't get to the church because of the pandemic, just take your sins directly to God. Oh, really? Hmm. Like, like Taoba? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Really? You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, you were seeing this all around. People, people having articles, you know, people buying all this toilet paper. Well, you know, it's not really about toilet paper. We should wash. We should use water when we relieve our, mm. oh, really? A stinja? And so all, all I'm saying, brother, is that mm. they're coming our way. Wash your, mm. wash your hands repeatedly. Oh, yeah. Like about seven, right. seven to ten times a day, maybe. Right? It's, right? it's like things are happening in the world where they have to come our way. They have to come our way, right? How do we get the economy going? One of the ways we can get the economy going is by having interest-free loans. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is right. that, brother, <laughs> they're coming our way. They're coming mm -hmm. our way. And then on top of all of that, brother, what leaders need to do today is to follow the prophetic model of leadership. And I don't care whether they're Muslims or not. Follow the prophetic model of leadership because the leaders today these leaders today they are the, the corruption and and I, and I want everybody to realize something there's only one group of people who once they achieved state power never became corrupt never became corrupt those are the prophets Musa had state mm. power Dawood had state power Suleiman had state power Yusuf alayhi salam had state power, of course, uh, alayhi salam, and of course, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi had state power. Not one prophet ever became corrupt. Not one. And the greatest world leader who is not a prophet ever, the greatest world leader, world leader, who is not a prophet, followed the prophet, Umar ibn al-Qatah, the greatest world nonprofit leader ever, ever. And he followed the prophet. He, pro he followed the prophetic model of leadership. And I say he's a world leader. Abu Bakr Siddiq anhu, was not a world leader. He got things ready. He got things ready for Umar. You know what I'm saying? Um, he's, he's fighting the apostate wars and something like that. But Umar, mm -hmm. right? The Persian Empire came under us. The Byzantine Empire came under us. The Egyptian civilization came under us it's like this was the greatest nonprofit world leader in history he followed mm -hmm. the prophetic model of leadership these leaders need to follow the prophetic model of leadership they're not accountable you know what i'm saying they're so mm -hmm. so no islam it's it, they have to come our way they have to come our way and so mm -hmm. that's what's taking place brother that's what's taking place. Do you know that in America for the first time in the history of this country, the percentage of white Christians in America is 43%? 43% of Christians in America are white. They're in a minority in terms of Christianity. Hmm. This thing, brother, this thing, the Pope came out and said last Christmas, we have to prepare for a post-Christian West. The Pope mm. says this. We have to prepare mm. for a post-Christian West. Post means after, mm -hmm. right? And so, so he talked about 
the rise of atheism. Look what's happening in Europe. While atheism is on the rise, so is Islam. What the mm-hmm. heck? No, brother. No, brother. The, right. the time that we're living in now? No, it's revival time. It's, re- mm-hmm. it's revival time. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And each thing that they use to try to stop it helps it come about. The example we use is a ball. If you take a ball and just drop it, it comes up so high. If you take that same ball and slam it to the ground, it's come, it's come mm-hmm. up higher and faster. If you leave mm-hmm. Islam alone, it's coming up. If you try to slam it to the ground, mm-hmm. it's come up higher and faster. There's no way in the world that people are still supposed to be coming to Islam post 9-11. Ain't no way in the world. All the money that's been put to stop Islam, to take people away from Islam, all the money that was spent, and the revival is continuing. It's just continuing. The most common name in England, Muhammad. Most common name in Norway, Muhammad. Come on, man. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I mean, for the first time in America, top 10 names in America, Muhammad was number 10. First time mm. ever. Now watch how now watch wow. how that goes up the list. Watch how that goes up the list over these years. No man, Islam mm. is making moves, brother. So 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 mm. instead of us focusing, if we if we focus just on the Islamophobia and the war on Islam, that's going to make us depressed. Mm-hmm. We have to first focus on revival. Mm. That's deed. In spite of all of this stuff. It's reviving. It's reviving. You know what I'm saying? That's what's going on. And 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 mm-hmm. so this is no, this is a this is a century of Islam, brother. This is a century of Islam. And, and I'm sure you, maybe this happened to you, maybe your other friends, and so on and so forth. I am sure that many of you experienced the situation where many of y'all went back home, and when y'all went back home your family members were surprised that y'all was on y'all deed. Hmm. Because what they don't understand over there is that Islam is coming out of the West. Islam is coming out of the West. You know what I'm saying? They expected y'all to go back home with green hair, tattoos all over your face. You know what I'm saying? That type of thing, right? You're, com- you're coming from Amrika. Right. You ain't supposed to be coming from Amrika <laughs> Deenan. You ain't supposed to be Deenan, right? And so, but that's the reality of what's going on. That's the reality of what's going on. We are in a period of tajdeed, revival. And that should make us optimistic. That should make us hopeful. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's an incredible vision. And I think that's critical for us to, uh, you spoke about this in, in the previous session and I'm sort of bringing, trying to bring mm-hmm. it all together. I have my notes mm-hmm. to follow up with, but it's th- that reshaping of, of how yes. we view things talked about reshape Islam reshaping and the prophecies we on reshaping how people view yes. women, even how women view yes. themselves and Allah putting them in that specific yes. time and place, the same issue that's happening here. Uh, and this is a critical one that you highlighted that, that we, you know, I was born and raised here, but I see it in, in my, my family, you know, people who traveled, people who came from a country that didn't have yes. black people, yes. right. Didn't have yes. African-Americans. Why do they have the same kind of stereotypical right, yes. views, uh, the same yes, negative yes. opinions? You know, you could see how media has has uh, has yes. played that role. How society has yes. sort of carved yes. that out for them. Uh, it's it's a challenge, but you, I love that you gave the advice of doing it in the best way. To be honest, I I, I have too many more questions uh, to dive into. 
Uh, I, I really want to respect your time and, and value your time so much. Well, so yeah, I love bless you. All of us, I hope there's an opportunity for us to, uh, yeah, to continue these yeah, conversations. There, we've, we've sort of tugged on a few different yes. threads here, historic, current, uh, you know, moving into the future and different levels of how people should be involved. That that Gen Z that you talked about um, is such an important one. But we this 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 message, this understanding cannot be limited uh, in and how many people it reaches. So I hope you know in doing my part to to, to pass so this on to convey so it to so others. I know there are others who are ready to act. You know there are people, young people who come from my generation have been through that experience. Remember that feeling of the, your personal yes. revival, like yes. your personal revival for um, how much it shaped your life. But then you start to feel, wow, what happened? My job, yes. family, yes. and all these things, yes. beautiful things. There are parts of it. And that's the beautiful thing is you're not, you don't have to leave exactly. reality. You don't have exactly. to leave the world, but you have to make sure that you're sort of readjusting exactly. that compass and making sure that you're, I, I love the thermo thermostat example that you're giving. That thermostat's got yes, to trigger yes, at some yes. point. You know, you can't let that start reaching a point, and it's happening in reality yes. around us. But maybe our hearts are, are not uh, opening up to it. Um, so I really appreciate well, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. We can do this Inshallah. again. I I will leave the last word to you, and uh, if you don't mind, you can also close us out with the dua. <laughs> وتوسوا بالحق وتوسوا بالصبر امين ويا جماعه السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته